It is a joy, as always, to be together and to open God's Word with one another. Let me invite you, if you have a copy of God's Word, to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 25, verses 14 through 30 today, looking at what's known as Jesus' parable of the talents. And we'll continue on. Today is the third week of six weeks in our generosity series, Open Hands. Today we're looking at the topic that says that we are accountable stewards. That's what we hope to see from our Lord Jesus' parable today. So in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14, we read the words of our Lord. For it, it being the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But to the one who has not, not even, I'm sorry, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for the privilege and the joy that it is to gather and to open your word. Father, I ask in this time that you would open our hearts by your spirit to the truth of your word, that you would, through your spirit, apply your word to our hearts so that we may see the glory of Jesus that is truly here in your word, that by beholding that glory we may be conformed all the more into the likeness of Jesus. Father, we confess that you are living God or the giver of all things, of life and breath, of our time, of our property, of our families. Father, anything that we have, we have because you have given it. 
So I pray today, Father, as we study your word, that you would empower, enable, captivate our hearts so that we would live as faithful servants to you. So that one day we may hear your commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Have you ever had one of those times where you really needed an item, but you didn't have it? You didn't want to buy it? So you went to a friend and asked to borrow it? I don't know, maybe it was a, maybe it was a car. Maybe you need a pickup truck. Maybe it was a tool. Maybe it was a video game or a movie. But have you ever borrowed something from someone and then as you were using whatever that is that they had loaned you, it broke? And you have that sinking feeling in your gut of what am I going to do now because this thing that wasn't mine was entrusted to me and now I've ruined it? I had that experience once uh, with a friend. He loaned me a set of post hole diggers because, um, like, those things are expensive. I didn't want to go buy them. He said, no, they're, they're, a little, they're, they're a little old. I said, well, I'll be really careful with them. So I'm, I'm digging this hole with these post hole diggers, and, of course, what happens? The handle snaps off. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to need to buy my friend a new set of post hole diggers? Maybe I need to run over to Tractor Supply. Do we have Tractor Supply in, in Michigan? Okay, run over to Tractor Supply and buy him a new handle for his post hole digger because it wasn't mine. It had been entrusted to me, and, and now I had broken it, and my friend was never going to be able to use it again. I was a poor steward. The good news is I called my friend, told him what happened. He said, oh, it was okay. They were close to broken anyway. Uh, you can just toss them, throw them away. So it ended well for me, but the point is I was entrusted with that tool from my friend to, to use for the purpose it was given, and then one day I knew I was going to need to give it back to him. That's what it means to be a steward. So in our text today, Jesus tells this parable about stewardship. He tells of a master who calls together three of his servants and distributes to each of them a large sum of money. So in our, in our passage, a talent uh, is not like an ability, not like a gift, like I have a great talent of singing. I don't, but some of you might. It, it, it means a sum of money. It is actually a weight of money, a unit of measurement. Some have estimated that a talent of gold could have been worth up to $1.4 million dollars. So imagine five talents given to you. So this master calls his servants together and distributes to them each a large sum of money, entrusting them to use it for his purposes, and then he goes away on a journey, only one day to come back and call them to account. Now, the, the general contours of this story are clear. The master in the story refers to our Lord Jesus. The going away on a long journey is his ascension back into heaven after his life, death, and resurrection. His coming back to settle accounts looks to the day when he will return visibly, bodily, in glory to fully consummate his kingdom. And the servants, with the money entrusted to them, represent us. Represent the people who he has created, who he died to redeem, to whom he has given life and breath in everything. That he expects those people, all people, to use what he has entrusted them for his purposes 
in his glory. So Jesus, in this parable, is calling us to consider what are you living for so that you will not be put to shame on the day when he returns. So today, we'll see that the Lord Jesus has given us all that we have and all that we are so that we can know him and make him known. Therefore, since Jesus has given us all that we have and all that we are to know him and make him known, how we actually use our time, our talent, that's our abilities, and our treasures, demonstrates who is truly king of our hearts. So the first thing we see in looking at Jesus' parable is the Lord's sovereign goodness. We see that in verses 14 through 18. So Jesus paints this picture of a, of a master who calls his servants together and distributes his property. In the very tone that Jesus is setting, the assumption is there is one who has authority. There is one who is master. There is one who has all things and distributes all things to those who are his servants. Now, as we noted, Jesus is the master. But, but look at the the parable. Look at the text with me, and we see that the master had all authority. Look in verse 14. It says, it will be, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. There is no question in this passage who is supreme, who is sovereign, who is ruler, to the one to whom everything belongs. Right? We, we, we looked at this several weeks ago in Psalm 104, where we saw that God is the one who created everything. God is the one who owns everything. God is the one who distributes everything, and therefore all things exist for his glory. Jesus is only echoing that theme here. So since Jesus is Lord, since, since all people were created by him, and all things are created and given by him, that means that what you and I have is not ultimately ours. We instead are stewards to whom our life, our possessions, our time have been entrusted, and we will one day give an account to the giver, to the rule setter, to Jesus himself, the sovereign ruler, how we used what he entrusted to us. And, and here's the deal, and this becomes clear later in the parable. The, the fact that Jesus is the sovereign giver of all things is true whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. We are accountable to him whether we choose to submit or rebel, whether we choose to honor or ignore. It's, it's rather like this. The sun is out today. Praise the Lord. Now you can choose to deny that. You can say, no, no, that can't be true. I'm not going to go, look, it's Michigan in winter. It's cloudy and gray. I'm just going to hide out in my basement all day. The sun cannot be out. You can deny it, but the sun is shining today. You can choose to go out and enjoy it, or you can choose to say, no, 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 it, it can't be sunny and kind of warm. It, it must be cold and gray and dreary, so I'm just going to stay inside all day. You're ignoring the fact does not change the reality. In the same way, whether we choose to acknowledge his lordship or not, Jesus is the sovereign master and ruler and giver of all things, and one day we will give an account. 
because we are stewards. So in the, in the parable, Jesus, the, the master, excuse me, entrusts his servants with large sums of money. I, I believe that talent is not simply about our money. This parable is not simply about our finances. Instead, that talent, that sum of money, is a placeholder for everything, for all of the things we have, including our very lives. But to help us think through this idea of stewardship, we, we touched on this last week. I believe we can break down our stewardship into three primary areas. Our time, our talents, that is our abilities, and our treasures. See, Jesus has entrusted us all with these three big blocks of things to steward over. He has entrusted them to us and expects us to use them for his glory. On the one hand, there's our time. That, that is the, the time that we have to be alive. You could say our lives. We know this is entrusted to us because in Ephesians chapter 5, God's word tells us, Look carefully in how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You see, when we're entrusted with time, that's not just about the hours in the day and the minutes and months and weeks and years in our lives, but it's also about the opportunities that God gives us. We are given a set amount of time. None of us has more time in a day than any other, but God calls us to steward that time in a way that helps us know Jesus and make him known. And and. And so one of the ways in each of these areas, we as a church body seek to, to steward these things well. One of the ways we seek to steward our time together as a church is we ask you to gather weekly in worship and to gather weekly in life groups, to steward that time, to say that time is set aside for the Lord regularly. And, and here's the thing with, with time. We can so easily waste it, right? And, and because of because of these things, because of these screens that we have everywhere with us, it's so easy to, to waste our time and for hours just to fall away as we play games or we go on Facebook or we binge videos on YouTube. Look, this is me too. We, we waste the time that we have been given. It is a challenge to us. More than that, we can help assess how we're stewarding our time if we ask and look at our schedule and say, if God interrupted my plans, if God gave me an opportunity to minister to a neighbor or a coworker, would I have time? Would I be able to take that opportunity or would I freak out and say the whole month is ruined if I take this hour to sit with this person and talk with them and care for them? See, with our time, it's, it's been throughout most of history, we, we make our plans in, in weeks, right? And there's a regular routine of work and rest in the weekend 52 times a year we get rest there's this shift happening in our in our world in the in the west that the the week is now becoming a month and so the way we all used to plan our weeks where there was this rhythm of work and activity and then rest on the weekend 52 times a year now happens 12 times a year we fill and pack our calendars with activities and we pick one weekend a month we're like well that's our rest weekend that's the weekend that we'll rest, that's the weekend that we'll worship, and then the rest is all built around that. If that's how we're cramming things into our schedule, we have to ask, are we stewarding well our time? If we spend every waking moment where we're not doing some specific task on our phones, we have to ask, are we stewarding well our time? Because we've been given our time to steward. 
Second, we've been given our talents to steward. That is, our abilities, our passions, our, our spiritual gifts. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. That is, all the abilities God has given us, all the passions, we're to use those, we're to develop those in a way that they help us know Him and make Him known to all people. One of the ways we help steward that here among our body is we ask everyone to serve, to find a place here where you can use your passions, use your abilities, use those spiritual gifts that the Lord has given you to build up the body. And then third, we are given our treasures to steward. That's both our physical possessions and our financial possessions. We see this highlighted in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. We're, we'll be in this verse in a couple weeks in more detail. And there, Paul writes, He who supplies seed for the sower, that's seeds, right? Planted, and what do you do with the harvest? You, you sell it, you make your money, that's your finances. And bread for food, that's the physical possessions, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God has entrusted us with physical possessions, with financial possessions, and he expects us to use those in a way that brings him glory so that we can know Jesus and make him known. One of the ways we help steward that here among us at Cedar Street Church is we ask that we would give regularly of our tithes and our offerings for the ministries of the church, both here and to the nations. So we have all been given time, talents, treasures to steward. The sovereign Lord Jesus gives them to us. But here's the good news. Jesus says the sovereign Lord died in his distribution. Look at verse 15. So he gives one five talents, gives another servant two talents, gives another one, and then look what it says. Each according to his ability. You see, our sovereign Lord, who kindly gives us time, talents, and treasures, gives according to our ability. Right? He's not a one-size-fits-all God. So what this means is that our faithfulness and not our usefulness is how we are judged in our stewardship. It's not about how much you accomplish, it's how faithful you are with what God has given you. That's how we are judged in regard to our stewardship. That's good news, right? So that means that, that, that your giving is not judged by how much your rich friend gives. You, you may know someone that's able to give millions of dollars to good and to charity and to churches. Well, how can I, how can I measure up to that? You don't have to. You're responsible to steward well the money you have. Your time management is not measured by your neighbor's time management. So single mom with kids who has a full busting schedule, just getting them around and raising them, guess what? Good news. You are not accountable to use your time in the same way as the retired person who doesn't have a job, whose kids are out of the home, who's got grandkids maybe running around. You are judged based on your circumstances. Praise the Lord, my preaching is not judged on the abilities of Charles Spurgeon. I am judged on the abilities God has given me to be faithful with what he has entrusted me. But, but here's the thing. That's not often how we view ourselves 
and our time and our talents and our treasures. See, I'm guilty of viewing my faithfulness in comparison to others. And sometimes it makes me feel really good, and sometimes that makes me feel really bad. I think we can also be guilty of, of judging everyone the same way, right? We assume everyone has the same time, everyone has the same talents, everyone has the same abilities, and so we say, well, why can't you be like me? Why can't I be like you? Why can't you be like that guy? And when we judge people's stewardship like that, it leads us to envy, leads us to shame, leads us to sloth. But the good news is our sovereign Lord knows us. He gives us according to our ability, and he simply expects us to be faithful with what he has given us. And so since Jesus gives us all we have, how we choose to spend our time, talents, and treasures reveals if our hearts are truly submitted to him as Lord. And so we see that in the account of the three servants when the master returns. So in verse 19, the master returns after a long time to settle accounts with his servants. And so he calls them together, and the one who had the five comes, and he says, Master, you gave me five talents, and I've made, here I've made five talents more. And he says to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the second, the one who had two talents, comes and says the same, and the master commends him and rewards him in the same way. So, so what we see in the servants is we see two who were faithful. We see one who was not, and we see first that there is joy in faithfulness. You see, we'll give an account. And on that day, the, the way in which we've used all of the things that we've been entrusted with demonstrates that if Jesus is truly our Lord. You see, here's the deal. Stewardship doesn't save us. We're not giving of our time, talents, and treasures in order for God to love us, in order to buy his favor instead. Faithful stewardship is the fruit of salvation. It's the overflow of a heart that is submitted to Jesus as Lord. And in fact, we see this in the response of the three servants. So in verse 20 and 22, we see the two faithful servants. What makes them good and faithful, right? Because that's the commendation of the master. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, they were good and faithful because they realized two things. They realized that the master was the source of all that they had, and they realized that he was the one to whom they were accountable. Listen to the confession in verse 20 of the one who had five. He said, Master, you delivered to me five talents. He realized that the master was the source of what he had. And he said, so they've made five talents more. Here. I have made five talents more. He realizes he's accountable to the master for how he used the five, and so he presents him with all ten. He realizes you're the one that gave it. I've used it for your glory. Have it. Here is your ten. The one who had two talents responds in the same way. Give, given two, here are your four. By their handling of their talents, that they were entrusted with by their giving them back over to the master on his return, they proved that their hearts truly belonged to their master. 
And so he commends them. Well done, good and faithful servants, because they lived for his glory. They lived so that when he returned, they could give over to him all that they had for his wealth, for his benefit. Their posture of heart showed that he was their master. And then they're commended, well done. But they're also rewarded. And look at the great reward that these servants are given. He says, enter into the joy of your master. Verse 21 and 23. Here, Jesus' parable begins to burst at the seams with eternity as this looks to the reality that one day, as we live as good and faithful servants, Jesus will invite us into eternity. These servants in the parable lived with open hands. They received from the master, they lived for the master, and they gave all the glory to the master. You see, it's the same for us. We use what God for his glory, be it our time, be it our abilities, be it our finances and our physical possessions. Whatever is spent and sacrificed here is making an investment for our eternal joy. Did you catch that? When we use what we have for God's glory, what he's given us, what is spent and sacrificed here is making an investment for eternal joy. And it is, that is an investment that will not disappoint. And we understand this, right? We understand this idea of sacrificing something now to invest in the future, right? If you have a 401k or a retirement savings account, you get it. I'm going to put away a little now so that when I'm retired, I can eat and pay my bills. See, but, but if I decided, you know what? That day's a long way off. Instead of setting this money aside, I'm going to buy more books and more running shoes. Guess what? When I retire, those books and those running shoes are not paying the bills. I've made a poor investment in my future. But to sacrifice now means that hopefully in the future, aside from just paying my bills and eating, I can maybe buy another pair of running shoes and maybe a book. It's the same with what we have now in time, talents and treasures. Whatever we sacrifice, whatever we give up in this life, that our world says, how can you live without that? We are making an investment for our eternal joy. And here's the thing we need to realize. For most of us, being faithful with our time and our talents and our treasures doesn't look like big life-changing decisions. Big decisions to, to pick up and pack up and sell what we have and move overseas to proclaim the gospel. Decisions to quit our job and go into vocational ministry. Vocations to sell what we have and give it to the poor. Now maybe for you, faithfulness and good stewardship does look that way. Maybe it does. Don't let me, he, don't hear me say that and say, well, God would never call me. Maybe he is. But for many of us, that faithful stewardship is demonstrated in small, everyday faithfulness. It's the being able to, to give of our lunch break by ourselves to go and talk to a coworker who we've been praying for, and we have an opportunity to go share them the love of Jesus. It's that 
giving of our time and instead of just vegging out when we get home, rolling around wrestling with your kids on the floor and laughing together. Maybe it's instead of using that money for whatever it's you, you give it to that life group member who's got a need. Maybe it's, it's simply just opening your home to, to have a neighbor over for a meal. Maybe it's as simple as just rocking a baby in the nursery or feeding someone soup at the soup kitchen or crying with a friend or laughing with your spouse. You, you see, we want to think of the grand ways that we can steward our stuff, but, but faithfulness is in the little, everyday moments and decisions where we have to ask, who's Lord right now? My day plan? My bank account? people giving me applause for my abilities, or is it Jesus that's Lord? And of course, Jesus is the great model of this faithfulness. We saw this last week in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, that Jesus shows us how to steward all that we have and how to live with open hands because he was willing to come and take on flesh and give his very life for the glory of God the Father and the good of his people. So we ask, how can you, how can I, how can you use your time and your talent and your treasures now for Jesus so that you are investing in eternal joy? And then ask, which of those is the hardest for you to open your hand and give to the Lord? Because for some of us, money's easy. It's, it's, your time, it's our time that we want to cling to. For some of us, time's easy. It's our money or our, our talents that we want to keep for us and our glory. Which of those is your struggle? Where do you struggle to open your hands and live for God's glory and make investments for eternal joy? So see, while, while faithful stewardship and sacrificial living now leads to joy in eternity, spending all that we have only on this life leads to eternal suffering. So so as we see that the Lord is the sovereign giver and as we see that there's joy and faithful stewardship, we also see there is consequence in rebellion. Because there weren't just two servants who did well. There was another servant who did poorly. So the third servant comes and he comes to the master and he says, Hey, uh, listen, um, I, I know that you're a pretty hard master. I know you expect a lot and I know you go and reap where you haven't sown. So um, I was afraid. So I took what you gave me and buried it. Here, take it. Take what's yours. And then he's judged. He's condemned by his own words. He's cast out of the presence of the master into a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and we have to ask, because this is a little shocking, right? Like, we kind of have to pull back and say, Whoa, Jesus, that guy kind of overreacted, didn't he? Like, he, he gave him back his talent. He didn't lose it. point was though the way that that as the master says wicked and slothful servant chose to use what was entrusted of him the way he responded to the master at his coming showed that his heart was hard against his master showed that he was not concerned about his master's glory but concerned about his own skin See, he misunderstood the heart of the master. Instead of seeing the master as a generous giver, he saw the master as a hard ruler. 
and the master condemns him. He says, listen, man, you knew I was hard, and you knew I was going to come give an account, and you still didn't do anything? Like, you could have stuck it in the bank, and I could have gotten like 0.1% interest on it. That would have been a better heart than cowering in fear of me, the master says. You see, the wicked servant served himself in fear and self-protection and rejected the generousness of his master. The way he handled his master's possession demonstrated that he was a rebel and not a servant. No, he didn't lose what his master gave him, but he wasted it. I mean, th- think about it like this. Let's say you're, you're, uh, you're coaching like a basketball team, right? And uh, one of the kids forgets his water bottle. And so you say, well, here, have this bottle of Gatorade. And the kid takes it and says, okay, thanks, coach, but he doesn't drink it. And, and, and he's out there the whole game, and he's getting tired and dehydrated, and he's so tired by the end of the game that you have to pull him off the floor because he's not doing you any good. And after the game goes, he gives you the Gatorade bag and says, here, coach, here's your Gatorade bag. Didn't spill it. Didn't give it to anybody else. But you would say, you wasted it. I gave it to you for your benefit so you could drink it and play, but you didn't drink it, and you passed out from dehydration. You wouldn't be happy to have the Gatorade back. You would question why he misunderstood your gift. In the same way, we can rebel against our Lord and giver by grasping with closed hands our time, our talent, and our treasures and keeping them for ourselves and and trying to get our own glory and do what we want with them. But then as Jesus says, what good is that? What good is that if you gain all those things but lose your own soul? You see again how we use what God has given us. Our time, our talents, our treasures reveals our hearts. Do we have to ask, do we really love him? and live for him or not? Have we been born again and have new hearts that desire to give all we have for him or not? Are we his actual disciples or are we just playing religious games? Do we just kind of show up and one day we'll be like, well, Jesus, I came to church. Well, Jesus, I gave, but our hearts were far from him. Because that's possible, right? We We can do the things that look right, and yet our hearts be far from Jesus. The question is, are we submitted to him in love as our Lord and so lovingly giving him all that we have? Because the cure for a rebellious, wicked heart is not to try harder and give more, but to repent, to turn to Jesus, to receive a new birth, a new heart, salvation and forgiveness, and then to live and serve him with all that we have. And so Jesus' parable pushes us to ask, who are you living for? As you look at how you spend your time, your talent, and your treasures, do you see evidence of faithful stewardship in your life? You see one who has has submitted everything they have 
to Jesus as Lord? Or do you see hints of rebellion as one who lives for themselves in fear of losing what you have now? So, so may the Lord grant us grace. Grace to turn to him. Grace to submit to him. Grace to steward whatever he has entrusted us with for his glory. Grace to live with open hands so that we can know Jesus more and use all that we have to know him and make him known to all people. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you and we confess that you are Lord and you are giver of all things. Father, we confess that somewhere in all of our hearts lurks the desire to, to hang on to and keep all that we have for us here and now because we can be deceived that this is all there is. That if we don't have it now, we'll never have. Father, help us to grasp the hope and the joy of eternity. Help us to live as faithful servants of Jesus who have submitted to him as Lord and who would joyfully invest all that we have in time and treasures and talents in faithful everyday ways so that one day we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, and we can enter into the joy of our master. And it's in his name we pray.